we want to consider tonight, <clears throat> who is he? Who is he? Um, certainly Christmas is not Christmas without the Lord Jesus. He is, as is stated, the reason for the season. He is uh, a lot more than that, though. The Lord Jesus is the center of the Scriptures, the center of the Word of God. And we want to consider just for a few minutes, who is he? Who is he? There was a man, a story told in the Word of God of a man who hated Jesus. He hated him. He hated Jesus' followers. And this man made it his purpose, his life goal, his commission to do what he could to eradicate any who professed the name of Jesus, any who followed after Jesus. But it so happens that one day he got to meet Jesus himself. And it was so that one day as he was traveling on the road, the Bible says, a bright light shined around him, brighter than the sun in all of its strength. And this man named Saul fell down before this bright light. And a voice came from the light saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul, why are you persecuting me? And this man, Saul, who hated Jesus and hated Jesus' followers in the presence of this great light, knew that this was Lord God Almighty. And so he says, Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? And a voice comes from the light saying, I am Jesus. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And Saul's question there, Who are you, Lord? That's what we want to consider. Who are you, Lord? Of course, Saul recognized at that moment in time that this man, Jesus, whom he had set out to to persecute anyone who would follow after him, he realized that this man, Jesus, was the Lord God Almighty. And that's what the Bible teaches. Jesus himself asked this question, you know, to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. Who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And the disciples said, well, some men say uh, you're, you're Elijah or John the Baptist or one of the prophets. And then Jesus says to his disciples, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And that's what I want you to think about tonight. Who do you say that he is? Who do you believe that he is? I submit to you, that for each individual sitting here tonight, there are only two opinions that matter to you. Only two. Your own and God's. Your own and God's. There are many opinions out there, you know. If you begin to ask around your community or ask around your workplace or even go research on the Internet, you'll find many, many different opinions about who he was. Who is Jesus? Some say a religious leader. And, and that's all, just, just some good religious leader. Some say a prophet of sorts. Some say a good moral teacher. Many people hold to that. You'd be amazed. Many, many people believe, well, he was a good moral teacher. Some would say, well, a prominent historical figure. That's who he was, just a prominent person in history. But that's all. Some would call him a liar. Some call him a lunatic. Some would call him a deceiver. 
But who do you say that Jesus is? And who does God say that Jesus is? Isaiah 9, 6 says regarding the Lord Jesus in a prophetic passage speaking forward of what was to come. He's wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. That's who he is. I want to read a few verses. There are, there is, the Bible is full of things to say about the Lord Jesus. In fact, some have said you can find Jesus on every page from the Old Testament to the New Testament because it's all about him. It all points to him. And that is true. You know, the Bible has much to say. I want to consider three things about the Lord Jesus just briefly. And it could be summed up in these three words, sovereign, servant and savior. Three S's. Hope that helps you to remember. Sovereign, servant, savior. I want to read to you because, again, I, I don't want you to hear what I think about him. I want you to think, what do you think about him? And ultimately, what does God say about him in his word? And so I want to read uh, a few verses from the word of God. John chapter one. If you'd like to follow along, you may. If not, I'll try to read loud and clear. This is what God's word says about Jesus. We've considered some of the nativity scene. You know, Matthew and Luke give us their accounts of the nativity scene. Jesus, the baby being born in Bethlehem. Well, there are four accounts and four historical accounts in the word of God. And this is one of them. And some call this John's nativity scene. And it's very, very powerful. John one in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him. Nothing was made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so John presents to us this one who he calls the word. And uh, it's very clear that he's referring to a person. The very next verse, he says, he was in the beginning with God. There's no doubt about it. The word is a reference. Again, John's nativity scene to the Lord Jesus himself. He would say that the word was in the beginning with God. The word was with God and the word was God. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. He was the creator. He was in the beginning with God. He was God. He was the creator. In him was life. Not just that life was in him, but he's the very source of life. For it says that his life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. The darkness did not comprehend it. 
in the beginning was the Word. There was this One, the Son of God, there with God the Father, in the beginning before anything had come about, before any of the world had come about, before you and I, before all of our history as we know it. In that beginning, eternity past, was the Word that was the Son of God. The Word was with God. The Word was God. All things, all things, the earth and everything around were created through Him. You ask a young child, who created the earth? Who created heaven and earth? Well, God did. That's right, God did. The Son of God did. It was through Him, through the Lord Jesus Himself. He was the source of life. He was light. And then it says this in verse 14, and we considered this a little bit this morning if you were here. Listen to these words. And the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. The one who was there with God in the beginning long before anything ever existed, as you and I know it. But at a certain point in time, that Word became flesh. Became flesh, just like you and I took on a body. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so as we consider the Lord Jesus, the Bible is abundantly clear that this Jesus is the Son of God, is God Himself, the sovereign God. The Bible says He took on flesh. And that's what that's what has been portrayed here us this evening. You see many, uh, even in our culture, many different nativity scenes and things like that. And, and many are good. But don't forget, don't forget, this was the Word, the one who was in the beginning with God, taking on flesh. A few years ago, uh, the brother that uh, did this particular meeting came up and preached the message, said, uh, if you could title his message or coin a phrase, never forget the wonder. Never forget the wonder. Don't lose the wonder of this. The Word, the Son of God, took on flesh. But what would it look like? I mean, if the Word, the one who was with God, was going to take on flesh, he was going to enter into this scene of time and, and humanity and people, what would it look like? We, we looked a little bit this morning at a passage back in Exodus, the second book of the Bible, which talks about a visit from God. And as God descended on this mountain, there was uh, thunderings and lightnings and great thick smoke and, and the voice of a trumpet. It was a majestic, a powerful scene. And it was the presence of God. But here we read that the word is going to be the word has become flesh. What did it look like? What was it like when God came? Would it be like those days of old with the thunder and the fearful sight that, that no one could even come near to that mountain because of the presence of God? Well, as we've considered Him as sovereign, the Bible also makes it abundantly clear that He came in the form of a servant. Came in the form of a servant. And to be able to wrap your mind around it, to be able to really take it in, it just leaves you in awe that the Word of God, who was with God in the beginning, all-powerful, almighty God, took on flesh. Not even though some flesh of a king or some other 
prominent individual, but came in the form of a servant. And I believe these verses were referred to. I'm just going to read to you. What would it look like when the Word became flesh? Listen to these words. Luke 2, 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There was no room for him. There was no, no one could provide a room for him to even be born into this world. And so Mary delivered him, no doubt in a stable of some sort, and laid him in a manger, which is some type of feeding trough for animals. Imagine that, the Word of God, the Son of God becoming flesh. And this is the scene that we're presented with. But it was all of God's plan, you know. This was, this was all of God's plan, that the Word of God would come into this earth, taking the form of a servant, taking the form of a servant, the sovereign one becoming a servant. And as he went throughout his life, you see him in this form of a servant, subjecting himself to the will of the Father in heaven, a servant to the Father, and even in in many senses, a servant to men. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And so he took that form. And one of the things I just want to mention about his servitude, one of the things that just, as you begin to look at it, would blow, will blow you away, is that as Jesus, the Word, became flesh, took this form of a servant, servants don't impose their own will, you know. Kings impose their own will. Servants carry out the will of another. And so as Jesus went, out, went throughout his day-to-day life, he was carrying out the will of his Father in heaven. And many things around him would transpire, and, and you don't see Jesus imposing himself upon people, pushing his way, taking some form of dictatorship or anything like that. But humbly, meekly, subjecting himself to the will of his Father in heaven. And the amazing thing is this. Though he wouldn't impose his own will, though he wouldn't force his way upon anyone, in the end, everything turned out just the way God had prescribed, just the way God had intended. And so there's a scene there in John 13 where the Lord Jesus in his humility and his servitude bows down to wash the feet of the disciples. And just after that, he's sitting at a table with his betrayer. There's Judas sitting across the table. And the Lord Jesus knows it. In fact, he tells the other disciples, uh, the one, there's one sitting here who's going to betray me. He knows full well what's going to happen. But he doesn't stop it. He doesn't impose his own will upon the situation. He allows things to play out. And wouldn't you know, that's exactly what God said would happen. He'd be betrayed by a kiss. And the ultimate example, of course, is at Calvary, where the Lord Jesus, the Bible says, was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He opened not his mouth. He went there and and, in subjection to the will of the Father, having taken the form of a servant. And though men would beat him, though men would, would revile him, would mock him, would taunt him, would put him on a cross and crucify him, It was exactly what God had beforehand said would be done. Exactly what God had beforehand said would be done. And so it's just astounding to see the word of God come in the form of a servant. 
the sovereign one became a servant. But why? Just to be a good moral teacher? Just to give us a good life lesson about how to serve one another? Is that why? Mark 10.45 says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The sovereign one became a servant that he might be your savior, that he might be my savior. It wasn't just for some, well, God wanted to know what it'd be like to be a man or wanted to leave us some kind of a good example, though he did leave us an example to follow. But it was much bigger than that. The sovereign one, the word of God, took on flesh, came in the form of a servant. Why? That he might be your savior, that he, he might be my savior. And so I ask you tonight, for each one here, God is abundantly clear in his word about who Jesus is. He is the sovereign God that took on the form of a servant to be your savior. But who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? Again, you'll find many, many opinions out there. I just encourage you tonight, look in the word of God. You take it yourself and you see what God has to say about this man, Jesus. The sovereign one became a servant on your behalf that he might be your savior on my behalf that he might be my savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this evening to come together and we thank you for this season uh, to call to our remembrance the entrance into this world of the sovereign son of God. Oh God, help us never to lose the wonder. For those that know you, for those that have received Christ Jesus as Savior, help us never to lose the wonder that God was manifest in the flesh. And we pray, oh God, tonight that for each one here, we know, Lord, that your word is abundantly clear to us about this man, Jesus, our Savior. And I just pray that if there are any here tonight who have not considered him as according to your word, as according to what you have to say, that they would do so tonight. We commit uh, this time, the songs, the verses that were quoted, uh, your scripture that has been read even now, uh, into your hands. We just pray that, that you would work through it to open our eyes, open our hearts to you, O Lord. We do give you thanks. We ask your blessing this evening as we part. We thank you for brothers, sisters, friends, and visitors that are here this evening. We do give you thanks, asking your blessing as we part. In Jesus' name.